If you'd like to uh, just take out your Bibles this morning, we're going to be heading to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. And I'm going to pray. I certainly need help this morning. Looking around, there's some here. I'm sure that need help. We all need help, don't we, this morning? The Lord's enabling power. So Lord, we come before you this morning and we just give you thanks and praise for the opportunity to gather as your people, for the privilege and the honor of just opening up your word today, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord, for each one of us that we would not leave this place the same as when we came in today, Lord. That, God, we will have met with you and counted you in some way today, Lord God. And I just pray now that as we open up your word, that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, not just to listen to what I'm saying, but to truly hear what it is you might be saying to us, Lord God. I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you illuminate the Word of God to us. Lord, that when we've read passages 50, 100, 1,000 times, Lord, there's still things that we can glean and know, God, as you speak that rhema word into our hearts, Lord God. And I just pray this morning that as we read These few verses from 1 John, Lord, it will be like the words are leaping off the page, Lord, that you breathe life and truth into them, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm wanting to just share about walking in the light. And as you know, for those who were here last week, we started off a new series. Andrew started last week this new series in the... uh, book of 1 John. And of course, we finished recently 1 Peter. We've moved on to 1 John. And the main, you know, this incredible richness throughout the pages of this letter. But the main things that John highlights and that I guess we're wanting to bring out for however long we do this series on are these aspects of truth and love. And the Apostle John, he wrote this letter late in his life, um, around AD 90 or 100, and he had spent his life walking in the light. He had spent his life walking with Jesus. He'd seen him, he'd heard him, he'd experienced him while Jesus walked on earth. And then, of course, you know, there's the the initial, in the birth of the new church, that excitement, the Lord doing all sorts of things, the Holy Spirit coming in power, the, the explosion of the gospel and the early church there. But, you know, this is some time after that now. And there, there were, um, you know, people who were trying to just kind of bring in some false teaching or try and improve or add to the message of the gospel. So John had a real father's heart. He really had a heart for the purity of the gospel. He was concerned with the state of believers, of those who followed Jesus as Lord. And he was concerned with ensuring that people who claimed to follow him were walking uh, authentically and genuinely. And what he presents throughout this letter and in, in what we'll be looking at a little bit today, how do we do that? Well, by having fellowship with Christ, by remaining anchored to the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus and remaining anchored in the love of God. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 is where we'll be this morning. It says, This is the message we have heard from him 
and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In my particular Bible, the title of that little section of scripture is Walking in the Light. And I don't know about you, but in my own life, I much prefer to walk, to live in, to operate in the light rather than the darkness. I just think it's, it's better all around. And I came across this week a story, and uh, it, was, it was someone recounting this story that a, that a pastor and evangelist had, had told of when, when he was a young man, he had, and some mates had gone into the Grand Canyon National Park. They'd driven there late at night. They got there around midnight, and they uh, couldn't really see anything, obviously, because it was pitch black. So they parked their car at what they felt was like a bit of a wider section of the road. They got out. They were tired. They walked into the bush a little bit, and they just laid out their sleeping bags and just fell asleep on the ground. Well, that was fine in the dark of night. When the day came and it was light, this guy who told the story, he, he woke up and as he looked, he was literally an arm's length from the edge of the cliff, a couple of hundred meter drop. And so obviously there was the thankfulness there for him that he didn't keep walking further into the bush. But when it's dark, you can't always see clearly, can you? And you know, when you're visiting a, a rough city or a rough part of town, no one ever says to you, um, you know, you don't want to be walking these streets after light. It's always, you don't want to be walking these streets after dark, isn't it? And so light brings clarity. It helps us to see. It removes uncertainty. It guides us. If the guy was setting up a camp in the light, there's no way he would have camped right near the edge of a cliff. He would have set up somewhere more appropriate and, and safe. In the darkness... It can be hard to see clearly. What is true or not can be distorted. It can evoke a sense of fear and uncertainty. Let me just tell another story to, to illustrate this point around darkness and light. My uh, brother-in-law, Chris over there, a number of years ago, he, he was the cleaner of, of the church. And for those who have been in the church a little while, you may remember uh, each, well, each year we have wonderful Easter and Christmas displays that uh, some very creative people in the church put together so wonderfully. But this particular year, there was a Christmas display in the corner, and then two wise men who were standing about here and here. Does anybody remember? Yep. Okay. Now, if you remember, these wise men weren't kind of average height. They were like seven or eight feet tall. And so one night, Chris was uh, cleaning the church, and uh, the lights were off in the auditorium. It was night. He'd cleaned out the back and he'd gone along the corridor and he entered the auditorium at that door at the back right there. And being dark in here, he looked across the auditorium and he saw two giants here in the auditorium, seven feet, eight feet tall. And he totally freaked out. He thought, oh no, is this the end? Is this the last night? Yes. So he was worried and then he realized as he looked, oh, phew, they're just, they're just fake. But in the dark... When there's not light to bring clarity, to bring truth, what is true and what is real can be 
distorted. It can leave us a little bit disoriented, can't it? Just as Chris found that interesting experience of uh, wondering whether he was going to get mugged by eight-foot giants. The light brings clarity. You know, in the dark, you think you know what you're doing, but it can be so, it's so easy to get disoriented. You know, the darkness is not the place that we're called to be. We're called to live in the light. As we look through uh, even just these few verses today, but through this letter of 1 John, we see that John was someone who was pretty clear and pretty certain about things, I feel. You know, he spent his life walking in the light. He knew, he'd seen Jesus and he was like, this is who he is. And in 1 John chapter 5, a little bit further on in this letter, he writes, you know, I write these things so that you may have certainty. And in fact, in John's gospel, in chapter 20, John chapter 20, he's like, you know, Jesus did so many wonderful things, many more than I've written here, but I have written these things for you so that you may have, believe and have life in his name. There was that sense of him wanting to bring certainty and truth and reality to those who read his letters, and to us today. And so this morning, I just want to bring out a few realities or certainties, if you like, that I believe that John was wanting to convey in these verses that I feel are important for us to remember and grab hold of. So first of all, the first reality or certainty, it's really important we remind ourselves of this in our own lives today. Who God is and who He isn't. So we must always start with God. We must always start with a right view of God, a clear and undistorted um, perspective, if you like. And so John begins this section with, this is the message that we have heard from him. This is the message that we have heard from Jesus himself. So we should all sit up and take notice right at this point. This is the message. We're proclaiming it to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And it's interesting that the Apostle John, as a writer, no one tells us as much about the nature of God as John does. Other writers, of course, tell of what he has done or what he does. Other writers tell us a lot about the attributes that God possesses. But John tells us what and who he is with certainty and with clarity. And there's this positive and negative emphasis here, light and dark. In God is light. In him is no darkness at all. This positive, negative emphasis to show that light and dark are so diametrically opposed to one another. And you know, throughout Scripture, often God is described uh, using light or a bright, shining one. You look through the, the Old Testament prophets. You look through, obviously, John here. Paul um, writes, you know, he, he dwells in unapproachable light. All throughout Scripture, God is being described with light brightness. That's very common. And so let's unpack this proclamation that God is light just a little bit this morning. If we go right back to the very beginning, the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, and of course it's, it's a well-known few verses, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it says that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1, we read the first recorded words of God Almighty in the Bible. And he says, let there be light. Let there be light. And I don't think it's insignificant that he wanted the darkness to go. <laughs> kind of the first thing. Let there be light. And then as we fast forward to John's gospel, John chapter 1, in the beginning, 
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He again refers to the beginning, how Jesus, the living Word of God, came to bring light and life to all mankind, and that His light shines in the darkness, and that darkness has not overcome it. Praise God. And Jesus was and is and will forever be God's fullest expression of light to a dark and broken world. So we have this picture of in the beginning, God says, let there be light. And the darkness was driven back and there was light. When Jesus came, it was like God was saying, let there be light to a world once again full of darkness. The darkness and depravity of sin. The darkness and the hold of the enemy. And you know, I believe that he's continually saying, let there be light into our hearts and lives today for those areas that are in darkness and that need his touch, if we allow him and if we are walking in his light. So John, he's very black and white, very clear about who Jesus is, as we heard last week, the first few verses of 1 John 1. He's very clear and black and white about the nature of God. That he is light. This is the message that Jesus taught us. This is what Jesus revealed when he himself walked among us, bringing the light and the life of God and his kingdom to earth. And he's saying he's not just a light among others. He's not just some light that's kind of out there that can't really be known. He's saying God is light. He is perfection. He is holy. He is truth. He is righteous. He is pure. He is just. He is glorious. He is good. He is the eternal God. We could go on and on here. You get that picture. And if we think about this, these three words, this phrase that John uses, God is light, it actually reveals so much about God. It tells us that he is splendor and glory, that he is holy, that he is pure, that he is, there is none like him. It tells us that he is self-revealing because light is seen, isn't it? If you think about when you're driving along a highway at night, for example, and you see a town coming up or streetlights, if you're in a plane at night and you're flying, there's pitch black outside and you look out, you see a little town or a village or a city coming up, you can't help but see the light. You can't help but see it. And so God, he desires to be seen and known by us. That's what, that's what he's saying here. God is light. It tells us of his guidance, that light shows the way when it's dark. It tells us of his revealing quality. You know, the true nature of something is always revealed when it's held up to the light. I remember when I was a kid and I found out about, you know, banknotes, how they have the little watermark on it, the little uh, crest, the Australian crest. If you hold it up to the light, you see it there. That's how you tell if it's a real note or if it's counterfeit. If you didn't know that, you've learned something new this morning, and I'll watch if anyone takes it out of their pocket. But it, when you hold it up to the light, you see whether it's something that's true or not true. So God is light. In him there is no darkness. The reality of his nature and his holiness. He wants to, I guess, remind us we must always have this right view and perspective of who God is. The second reality or certainty this morning that I want to bring out is that God desires that we come into and walk in his light, that we know his presence, that we experience his love and his goodness and all those wonderful things as a reality in our lives each and every day. We could say it this way, that he has made it abundantly clear that he's issued an invitation for us 
to be in fellowship with him. And you know, that is God's heart for his people, for you and for me this morning, for all mankind, that we would be in fellowship, that word koinonia that we've looked at at various times in the past, with him. That sense of close relationship, that sense of intimately sharing in the full light of God's presence, that sense of communion, of intimacy. You know, he's made a way for that to be so. Just think about that for a second. It sounds wonderful, and it is wonderful. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, it says that he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, into his light. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that he's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What a place to be. He desires that we know him. He desires that we have fellowship with him. And I think that's clear right throughout Scripture. But I feel like John is, is writing here, and it almost comes with a little bit of a warning, or dare I say, conditions. Not works or striving, but, but conditions. He says, if we say we have fellowship with God, if we say we are in relationship with Jesus and are following after him, if we say that, that's wonderful, but we walk in the darkness. If we say that while we're still walking in darkness, we're actually de deceived by lies and we don't practice the truth. And as I touched on earlier, John was addressing, in many ways, the rising tide of some false teaching that was coming and the early stages of Gnosticism even those trying to somehow improve or add to the message of the gospel. False teaching by those who felt that they had become so enlightened and spiritual that sin didn't really even matter anymore. They could just do whatever they want and still claim fellowship with God. Let's not fall into the trap of, of living however we want, walking in darkness and then playing the God card when we need to or when it suits us. And I feel like it's this warning that John was writing back then, but it's a warning that echoes to us today. To not treat this, uh, or not take this invitation to fellowship with God lightly, or flippantly, or for granted. It's like he's saying, you better be serious about it. If you're saying you, you have fellowship with God, that's a, it's a serious, wonderful thing. Don't just kind of you know, fool around in the darkness and claim to be walking in fellowship with God as well. You know, Jesus himself said in the, in the Gospels, like, you know, a good tree will bear good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit. By your fruit, by the fruit, you'll recognize them. So what is the fruit of our fellowship with God, of our fellowship and communion with God? Is it a changed life, a transformed life, or is it something else? If we say one thing with our lips and another thing with our lives, something's wrong with that picture. We don't practice the truth. The Apostle John is saying here. I think it's interesting how John is all-inclusive in his description or this warning of saying, you know, if we uh, say we have fellowship with him. He doesn't just say, if they, the false teachers, say that, that they have fellowship with him. He doesn't just say, if you as my readers you know, say that you have fellowship. He says, if we, it's all-inclusive. And I think it's, it's timely for us to, to remind ourselves, whether we're a mature Christian who's walked with the Lord for a long time, whether we're someone relatively new in faith, that we need to be careful to examine our hearts. 
if we claim to have fellowship with him, if we claim to be following after Jesus in relationship with him, but we walk in darkness or even in the shadows or the gray areas, something is not right with that picture. So what does it look like to walk in darkness? Well, a couple of things that, and there's there's probably many more, but a couple of things that John himself writes about. And he goes on to talk later, I think in the next chapter, in fact, chapter 2, verse 9, which I'm sure we'll get to over the next weeks, about how hating or not loving our brother, if this is part of our lives, that we're actually walking in darkness. Let's see what, it, what he says. He says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. That's one sign the Bible says, not living in love. If we have hatred towards people, if we allow bitterness and unforgiveness to take root and fester and grow and cloud our view of others. That's one sign that we're still walking in a bit of darkness there. Or in John chapter 3, verse uh, 19 to 21. We won't turn there, but it, it talks about the light came, Jesus had come, that people love the darkness more than the light, that everyone who does wicked things, we could say walks in darkness, hates the light because of the fear of the light exposing their works and their deeds. And so that's another sign, I guess, for us this morning, that if we're still in that place of willfully, intentionally partaking of practice sin, of walking in disobedience, we're not actually walking in his light. I think there's a transparency and an authenticity that comes with walking in his light, both with him, because we don't want to have anything Kind of coming between us, but also with our brothers and sisters. So when I'm talking about walking in the light, having fellowship with God, I'm not saying this morning that we need to be perfect. It doesn't mean we need to be perfect to have fellowship and relationship with God because none of us would measure up. I certainly wouldn't. I just think there's this sense of it means that the nearer we come to God, the closer we walk with Him, it's like the more horrible and terrible sin becomes to us. The more we have fellowship with God, the more open and authentic we will live before Him and with others. The more unappealing darkness will be to us. Who'd rather be in darkness when you can actually be in the light? I'm not much of a camper. I appreciate those who do. I just feel like you're going on holiday for me. If I have to wake in the night or something to attend to the kids or go to the bathroom, whatever, I want to be able to just like turn on the light. I don't want to have to fumble around in the darkness, unzip the... Do you know what I mean? Is anyone else with me on that? Why would we rather be in the darkness when we can be in the light? Who'd rather camp an arm's length for the edge of a Grand Canyon cliff when you can see clearly in the light and camp safely? And I feel like John is saying here, come on, guys. The light is where it is at. The light is where it is at. There's an invitation for fellowship with God himself, the one who is light and life. Don't be fooled by false teaching. Don't live with the facade sorry, of everything being okay, having great fellowship with God when really we're remaining in the darkness. Don't fall into the trap of hypocrisy where we say one thing, but the message of our lives tells something totally different. I really feel that you can see his heart as an older man, as one who's journeyed with the Lord to just, to just 
call people into living authentic lives of faith. There's that invitation for fellowship. Let's not take it lightly. He desires that we be in the light. He desires that we be in communion and fellowship with him. Let's take that seriously, but joyfully as well, of course. The third reality or certainty this morning. He's made a way for, walk, for us to walk in his light, but there is a reality that we actually have to walk in it. It says, but if we walk in the light, that word but, it's always good when there is a but in Scripture. Praise God, there's always a big but where it matters in Scripture. You read throughout and there's, whatever comes to the right of that word is usually good. It says, but if we walk in the light. We've already, I already spoke about how he's called us out of darkness into light. So that's our position. Praise be to God. What a wonderful place to be. But it doesn't just, stay, doesn't just say stand in the light. You know, okay, I'm in the light now. Wonderful. Okay, don't move. I don't want to stuff it up. I just got to stay in the light. It doesn't just say that. It doesn't just say bask in the light. And let's be honest, we all like just doing that from time to time, just basking in the light of God. It doesn't just say sit down and rest in the light. Although if we compare those things, standing, resting, basking, to being in the darkness, that sounds pretty good. But he says, no. Walk in the light. But if we walk in the light, he says, walk and keep on walking. It echoes what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, that you know, once you were darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of light. And in Jewish culture, your walk, this term walk, referred to your manner of, the manner of your life, your manner of life. So it's like he's saying, but if the manner of your life is in the light then this is what flows. I mentioned the conditions earlier, that if we say this but don't actually do this, there's some issues. But if we walk in the light, here we find the promise for us this morning, that we have great blessing that flows to us, fellowship with God, forgiveness and cleansing from all of our sin. So as we walk, and as we keep on walking in his light, his light will in fact flood our hearts and our lives. It will dispel the darkness. It will reveal what is true. It will shatter the lies that perhaps we've believed or that the enemies tried to bring against us. And it will in fact illuminate the path ahead, our future, leading, leading us into the purpose and all that he has for us. It also leads us into deeper fellowship with him and with others. So what does it look like to walk in the light? I'll finish with this this morning. I think it looks like keeping our hearts and our gaze focused upon Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes about this. I love the passage in uh, Romans chapter 12 where he says, you know, throw off the weights. Throw off the things that hinder the sin that so easily entangles. Running with perseverance, but keep your eyes, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Throw off those things. Come out of walking in darkness and fix your gaze and your attention upon Jesus. You know, he writes in Philippians 3 about, you know, forgetting what's behind and pressing on to what lies ahead. And so if we think about walking in the light, 
keeping our focus and our gaze upon the Lord Jesus, the light. Well, as we look towards him, everything is light. If we're looking what's behind, what happens then? Well, the light shining there, it shines on us, the shadows behind us, isn't it? If we're looking behind, that's where the darkness is, the shadows are. Keep our hearts and our gaze focused on Jesus. He's already said, God is light. In him there is no darkness. So if we want to be in the light, be in him. And I don't think it's a coincidence that John wrote so much, both in his gospel and this letter here, about abiding in him. Abiding in him. Because if he is light, and we want to walk in the light, well, it kind of only makes sense to abide and be in him. Live in love. John emphasized this more than perhaps any other writer in the New Testament. That we're called to love. Love one another. Live in his love. By this all men will know, you're my disciples, that you love one another. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. And he is light. You know, this is this John who wanted... The place of honor, as we heard last week, at the right hand of Jesus. This is the John who wanted to call down fire from heaven upon a town that didn't respond to the teaching of Jesus. Incredible transformation in his life. A life spent walking in the light. An incredible transformation where he only wanted to be known as the one who Jesus loved. And I think as part of living in love is, is living in Fellowship with others in community. We read this morning about uh, in Hebrews 10, where it says, you know, let us consider how we can spur on or stir up one another, how we can encourage one another towards love and good works. Encourage one another. I don't know about you, but in my life, as I'm, I'm wanting to walk in the light, you know, sometimes I need some help, I need some encouragement, I need some people to come alongside to keep you walking in the light. And I think that is true for all of us, that as we walk in the light, the picture that God has in his heart for fellowship uh, one with another is that picture of authentic you know, community and, and encouraging and stirring up one another, picking up one another when we fall down, calling out things in one another where that needs to happen, but keeping, keeping each other in that path of walking in the light. Walking in obedience and living according to his word. The Bible says that the word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. So if we want to walk in the light, so important that his word, we're living according to his word, that his word is such a, a significant part of our lives. And putting aside the things of the flesh. Verse 7, it talks about the blood of Jesus cleansing us, continually cleansing us from sin. When we bring things out of the darkness and into the light, that's where the blood of Jesus, that's where our sin is cleansed, in the light. In the darkness, when we hide them, things remain. And he goes on in the next couple of verses, which we'll get to probably next week or so, to confess our sins. We confess them, bring them out into the light. He's faithful and he's just. Putting aside the things of the flesh. Important to walk in the light. 
If our manner of life is in the light, if we walk in the light, we have the true fellowship with God that is in his heart for us. The true fellowship that's in his heart for us for as a body, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We walk in the freedom that he has for us. We walk in with a clear conscience before him as we walk in the light. Walking in the light keeps us anchored to the truth of the gospel. It keeps us anchored to the truth of his love. So let us be a people who walk in his light, who know the truth of who God is, who have the right perspective of who he is, who know and receive that invitation for true fellowship with God, and whose manner of life is not walking in darkness, but walking and continuing to walk in his light. Amen. Amen. Would you stand this morning? We'll bring our service to a close. Would you be happy, Alit or Andrew? Cool. Of course, if you'd like prayer for anything this morning, there's a prayer team ready to pray for you, to bless you this morning. Let's just uh, take a moment now just to focus upon the Lord. I'd like to just open up your hands before Him. It's an outward sign of inward surrender. His heart and His desire for us is to walk in His light, is to walk in His freedom, is to walk in His truth, is to walk in His victory. And there may be things this morning for some of us that perhaps are hindering from fully walking in His light. There might be areas of our hearts and lives where we've kind of kept hidden away, where we've you know, been walking in darkness. And I feel like this morning that the Lord is just, there's an invitation, there's an opportunity this morning for you to just come and do business with God, really. Allow Him to minister, to bring those things before Him and to, to just say to Him this morning, almost like draw a line in the sand that this is the day I'm choosing to walk in Your light. So if that's you, I'd invite you just, once I pray, to come forward and just do business with God. I just feel as well to give invitation that if you're here this morning and you've, you've never actually known about or entered into or come into the light of God, a relationship with the living God, you've never actually experienced His forgiveness, His grace, His mercy. What better day, what better time to come into the light than today? So if that's you, if you're in that place where you you want to just respond to the Lord Jesus this morning and give your life to Him, surrender your life to Him, please don't leave this place without doing that. Come forward and I or one of the, I'd love to pray with you.
one of the prayer team would do. So God, thank you for this morning. Lord, we, I just pray that we would be a people who walk in your light. I pray that we would be a people who just have the right view and perspective of who you are, Lord God. I thank you that you are light, that you are holy, that you are good, that you are pure, that you are glorious, Lord, that there is no darkness in you. I pray this morning even that any sense of fear or uncertainty, any sense of hopelessness or despair would just be lifted off, Lord, and that your light would flood our hearts and lives, I pray. And as we go from here, Lord, may we walk in your light. Even if it's only baby steps at first, Lord, we set our hearts towards you, Lord, and we set our hearts to walk in your light, Lord God. As we go from here, may we go with great joy, great hope that's overflowing, such an awareness of your presence with us, Lord. To live as overcomers, Lord, in this coming week. So I just bless each person here this morning with your light, your life, and your presence. We honor you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.